We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gets it, spins away, baseline shot, Shea puts it in, and walks it off in OKC. Giddy keeps it himself and takes it up as he glides with the finger roll. What is up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. I'm your host for tonight, Jacob Niffen, as the Thunder beat the Pelicans 110-96. to they're proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. I would encourage you guys to sub to the YouTube channel as we will be live again about 24 hours from the moment I'm recording this, Sunday, 9 p.m., with a mailbag podcast. So make sure you get all your questions to us on whichever social media channel of choice. I've also made a post on Reddit, so you can also get your questions in on Reddit as well. Tomorrow night will be a post game of the Spurs and a Q&A pod. But tonight, we're going to talk about this Thunder win down in the Big Easy. It's called the Big Easy because that's uh, that's what Shea plays like. It's just easy, man. What a game this was. From start to finish, had a little bit of everything. My big takeaways from this game tonight. Number one, games of consequence. Thunder fans love to use that phrase after Sam Presti mentioned it last summer. We had one tonight. Number two, defense. And dive deep into the Thunder's defense tonight. Number three, too much ISO. And number four. We got four free tonight. The Thunder's big three. They got a big three, and Chet isn't even here yet. But first, before we break down the four big takeaways, let's talk about this game. So, first off, very nice to see Shea Gilgis Alexander and J Dub back on the court tonight. Dub had missed the past couple of games due to a right wrist sprain that he suffered in, uh, I believe, the Utah Jazz game. 
Shea is sitting on back-to-backs. So he played in Oklahoma City. Um, gosh, what was that about a week ago now? And then sat the second night against the Phoenix Suns. So then he was able to play tonight. My guess, uh, I am not looking at media availability right now, but my guess would be that Shea sits in San Antonio Sunday night. I think J-Dub is good to go and healthy, though. So nice to see those two. So the Thunder trotted out their typical starting lineup when everyone is healthy that is currently healthy. Um, Obviously, Poku hasn't been around in a while. But the starting lineup of Shea, Josh, Dub, Giddy, and Jalen Williams from Arkansas. So that was your five tonight. The Pelicans were missing a lot of guys. No Jose Alvarado, no Larry Nance Jr. Uh, a big pregame scratch. Uh, Brandon Ingram unable to go tonight. And Zion Williamson uh, did not play, but he hasn't played in like half the NBA games that he's been in the NBA. So that's not a surprise at all. So the Thunder caught a bit of a break as far as injury luck and available guys for the Pelicans tonight. So if you have not listened to a post game with me, or if you have listened to a post game with me, we all do them a little bit differently. For me, my game breakdown, uh, I just take notes as I watch the game. My notes are very erratic and kind of crazy. Um, let's dive into them. First quarter. Uh, Shea starts this game off early. First four minutes. He's got two steals and a block. Uh, the first steal came from, he just doubled down on Jonas Valanciunas Valanciunas turned right into him and Shea just grabbed the ball, ripped it from him and ran down the court. It was like, wow, that was uh, surprising. The second one was a poke away, I think on Herb Jones, uh, just poked it out, uh, grabbed the ball, ran down the floor. And then the the block was pretty impressive as well. But I say that because Shea just making his defensive presence felt right off the bat. And, you know, not seeing Shea every now and then uh, with this abdominal injury. Whenever you do see him, he kind of just like pops off the page. And defensively, I think he's made such a big leap this season. That's really a, a point of growth. The the strength, the attention to detail, the willingness to, to stick his nose in the play, um, especially the help side defense rotating over. His length has been a huge benefactor for him. It's His defense has been really impressive. So to have two steals and a block in the first four minutes of the game, just really setting the tone early for how they wanted to play. Um, and obviously early on in this game, we didn't know the Thunder would jump out to a 20-point lead at half. And so I was just taking a note. Uh, we had a Dort missed wide open layup, uh, a Jay Will missed free throw, and two giddy missed free throws in about the first six minutes of the game. And I, so that's like possible five points left off the board. And I thought, man, that could, those like missed free opportunities could come back to really haunt OKC down the stretch. It didn't, but just something that I noted. Um, Valanchunas, the Pelicans tried to go inside to Valanchunas early and often. Just didn't work. Uh, OKC would swarm inside. I thought Valanciunas got away with a few offensive fouls as well. Uh, at one point, like karate chopped J-Will in the throat and didn't get a whistle. 
I thought Jay will battled really well. Uh, Valanchunas did hit some shots. Uh, he would space out to three, hit some shots out there too. He ended the night uh, with 13 points on four of six field goals, uh, four of five from the free throw line, one to one from three, four rebounds. Uh, so 13 on four of six is like really good efficiency, but he only got six shots because like the Thunder just swarmed him and didn't let him do anything. And he didn't play a lot because the Thunder essentially just schemed him off the floor. Really good stuff. Uh, my next note says Shea's finishes at the rim are effing stupid. I don't think people talk enough. And when I say people, I just mean like general NBA fans about Shea's finishing package. His like deceleration to the rim is absurd. The one that prompt, prompted me to take this note was like he had this crazy like right to left pull over the top Euro like went with the left hand. It was ridiculous. Like anytime Shea is going to the basket, even if there's like multiple guys in front of him, you just feel like he's always going to get a bucket. His his finishing is so impressive. The Thunder end the first quarter uh, up 10, which was pretty impressive. Second quarter, uh, a quick 6-0 run for the Pelicans. And I started thinking, rut row, here we go. And this part's kind of funny. Um, my next note said, feels like Lindy Waters has struggled. Uh, I felt like Lindy had missed a few shots. He had um, had a turnover, uh, wasn't rotating real great defensively. And then my very uh, next note says, well, F me on the Lindy, Lindy Waters comment because he splashed back-to-back threes, um, started playing much more aggressively, and it was just like a, a flip of the switch. It was you can thank me for Lindy's game tonight because uh, if I didn't type that note, apparently he would not have turned it on. But he did, and I thought he he ended up playing pretty well. Um, Usman Jang. I had originally typed a note that said, we haven't seen Usman Jang. But then he checks in with seven minutes left in the half. Uh, immediately, within like 10 seconds of checking in, he hits the offensive glass, uh, gets a rebound, gets a foul, goes to the free throw line. Um, and at this point is when the Thunder were just putting their foot on the Pelicans' throat. Uh, the Thunder won the second quarter 31-22. to 22, uh, Would have been a lot more had C.J. McCollum not scored six points in like the final minute. Uh, if he did not do that, they won that quarter 31-16, to 16, which is a real ass beating. Um, but So I just took this note that said the defense has just been incredible. They were swarming. They were rotating. Um, at one point, uh, they ran a lineup because the Pelicans went away from Jonas Valanciunas and played Jackson Hayes a lot. And it was just very clear that the Thunder like did not give a shit that Jackson Hayes was out there. Really tall dude, like 6'10", 6'11", a freak athlete, can jump out the gym. The Thunder played Usman Jang at the five, and then with the final like 40 seconds of the half, they subbed him out, and they played Josh Giddy at the five against Jackson Hayes. And it was just like, very clearly, the Thunder do not care about Jackson Hayes. Uh, Speaking of Usman, I thought he looked incredibly comfortable, which was a great sign. Like, his stat line isn't anything sexy. Nine minutes, uh, zero of two from the field. Three of four from the free throw line is nice. Two rebounds, a steal. I had three points on the night. Went three, Like I said, three or four from the free throw line. But multiple times where 
he like got a rebound off the rim and just pushed and looked very comfortable dribbling the ball up the floor through traffic. Not his best game by a long shot. That's probably the Golden State game last week. But I just thought like what, how awesome it was to see how like incredibly comfortable he looked out there. This is the game where he just looked like a normal dude. He looked like he belonged. It didn't look like he was in a little bit over his head. Uh, it didn't look like he got the ball and was immediately looking to hand it to somebody. He looked like a dude that was out there and just kind of felt like, yeah, I belong here, uh, which was awesome. Thunder going the halftime up by 19. Uh, just a total schlacking. Third quarter starts, and my next note says, uh-oh, Dub is waking up. J-Dub had the runner at the end of the half. And then in the third quarter, he had, you've probably seen the replay if you've watched this game, this move where he was driving in right-handed, went behind the back to the left, took one dribble, and just didn't even gather the ball and just scooped it with the left hand off the window. Stupid. He then had another runner in the lane, and when he gets cooking, you're in trouble. How is this kid a rookie? Like, ridiculous obviously this rookie class has their entire career ahead of them we don't know what's going to happen but as of right now it looks like with pick number 12 the thunder got a top four guy in this rookie class i mean he's been phenomenal Uh, i think you can argue pretty easily he's uh overtaken ben matherin as that number two spot the offense really got flowing in the third quarter, but I have a note here. Um, there was just there was this moment that really just kind of irked me. The offense was flowing, the ball was moving, guys were getting uh, good looks off like penetration and kick, and then there was a possession, uh, probably about seven or eight minutes left in the third, where the ball gets swung to Lou Dort, who's like five feet beyond the three point line. And he wasn't being guarded because why would you guard Blue Dort five feet beyond the three-point line? And he just decides to pull up a three with like 17 seconds left on the shot clock. 18, or not seven, 17, 16, 15, somewhere around there. When they very clearly could have ran offense. And I was just like, why? Like sometimes with Lou, the decision-making on the offensive end, the shot selection, the shot diet is just really, really poor. And as you see guys like J-Dub start to flourish, as you see Giddy start to find his role, as you see Isaiah Joe, uh, even guys like J-Will, the the lack of, I don't even know what to say, like awareness, um, offensive flow from Dort really starts to stick out. I, I felt like I saw that a few times tonight. Uh, Jay Will played really well, especially in that third quarter. He was passing the ball really well, uh, drawing charges, splashing in threes. He had a three tonight, let out a massive boom, which was awesome. Um, 19 points for Jay Will tonight, three of five from the floor. He had nine points, three rebounds, a block. Uh, turned the ball over once, uh, but definitely earned that back with like two or three charges that he drew. Um, he played really well. And it was in the third quarter. You started to notice that Shea was not nearly as efficient as he was in the first half. We'll get more into that in a moment. Uh, Thunder 
going to the fourth quarter, up 15. So I had four points shaved off their lead. Fourth quarter, and Giddy really starts getting it going. Uh, early on, he had seven points. Um, the first shot was a three. He had a beautiful inbound pass to Lou Dort, who just couldn't catch the basketball and almost turned it over. Kicked it back out to Josh, uh, who was spotted up in the corner and splashed through a three. He had two beautiful drives, one going right and finishing high off the glass. The other one, maybe one of my favorite Josh buckets of the year because he cut across the lane dribbling from right to left, dribbling with the left hand um, and did this little like show, took his steps, stopped for a moment and then went. And it was like this hiccup almost in his drive that threw the defender off balance, sent him flying, and then Josh finished with the left. Finding that pace, finding that deceleration for Josh, um, I thought that was a really good play by him. Um, I noted Dort has just been really bad. Uh, offensively, he was continued the theme out, out of the all-star break of just being awful. Uh, Dort, two of eight from the field tonight, one of five from three. Uh, eight points on eight shots. He did have five assists. I thought... Dort had a really good offensive play where he had an awesome uh, off-ball cut uh, where Dario Saric found him uh, for a pass and a dunk. But in the fourth quarter, he had like this weird half-drive stop, like mid-range pull-up that was a really bad shot. He had a three that was just like really ugly. Um, just the, the offensive field just is not there for Dort. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
Um, and, th- and then we get to the point. Uh, my next note, Shea going too much ISO with about six minutes left needs to let the offense work. He had three possessions in a row that were ISO. One were a, was a missed pull-up. The other was a made pull-up. The third was a travel. My next note said, it's getting worse. SGA killed it in the first half by working off of cuts. ISO is killing his efficiency. Um, and it really did. Now, did he hit some big isolation buckets? Yes. But some of the possessions were really bad. They were like, just sit there, dribble at the top of the key, and then try to just cross over, cross over, cross over, cross over, pull, midi pull up. And it's like, man, you got to get better looks in that. When you go back and you rewatch that first half, Herb Jones tried to face guard Shea, and Shea just cooked that man like a barbecue chicken. I mean, cutting back door on him, catching the ball on the move, getting him off balance, drawing fouls. I mean, Shea killed that guy. But Herb Jones is really good in isolation, and Shea played right into his hand that fourth quarter. I thought the offense could have been much, much better. Um, I noted Dort draws a foul, a flagrant foul on McCollum with about three minutes left. Felt like a turning point. The Thunder had come out of a timeout um, and just basically ran a, a J-Dub ISO. He misses the shot. McCollum gets the rebound. It is a nine-point game. I believe it was nine. Maybe it was 10 with about 310 left. Um, trying to remember who it was. I think it was Dort and Dub. Double CJ McCollum off the catch, off, off the rebound. Um, McCollum doesn't see Dort on the other side and swings this wild elbow, uh, catches Dort in the face. Uh, it gets reviewed as a flagrant foul. Dort makes one of the two foul shots. Um, and then the Thunder get possession back. They get a deuce. So there's a three-point possession. Um, and then McCollum came back down the other end and got a bucket. Uh, so essentially the Thunder, uh, a two-point bucket. So essentially the Thunder uh, went plus one in those two possessions because Lou drew that foul. Um, so that was really good. And then Shea with the dagger uh, mid-range to close this one out. Leads to the Thunder winning 110 to 96. Okay, a lot of notes. Uh, I went for a really long time there. Apologies. Um, you guys are getting comments in the chat. Please continue to do so. Uh, as you do, let's hit my four big takeaways. Takeaway number one, game of consequence. That's what this game was. Last summer, Sam Presti talked about games of consequence. And when this team uh, was no longer playing games of consequence, They would pivot more towards development. Tonight felt like a quintessential game of consequence. In the standings, the Pelicans slightly ahead of Oklahoma City. The Pelicans at home looking for a win amid a a pretty um, pretty bad slide down the standings. Trying to solidify their spot in the play in or the playoff. Now, hungry for, for a game. The Thunder. Also hungry. This this is a game of consequence, right? Two teams, lots to play for, lots on the line, coming down the stretch. This is a game of consequence. This is a game that pushes you either closer towards the postseason or starts to kind of remove you from that postseason conversation. The Thunder go on the road and get a massive, massive victory. When you look at the standings after tonight, 
And I think, oh, they're not fully updated. Um, NBA.com takes forever to up, update their their standings, and it's kind of annoying. Like, they still have the Warriors on a three-game losing streak. Anyways, Oklahoma City and uh, New Orleans, both at 32 and 35. Fender now just a half game out of the 10th seed. Uh, the Utah Jazz at 33 and 35. Uh, I mean, it's so bundled up. Oklahoma City is two games out of uh, just a straight-up playoff spot at six. Uh, they are also one game out of being 13th. So it's like super tight in the West. That makes these games of consequence. That's what this was, and it's very encouraging to see the Thunder win this one. I think the next stretch of games are pretty big consequential games for the Thunder. When you look at the schedule coming up, let me get it pulled up real quick. They have the Spurs, the Nets, the Raptors, the Suns, Clippers, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers. Those are all teams minus the Spurs. And they playoff hunt, scrapping for wins to improve their positioning. Those are all going to be games of consequence. Whether you're on team tank or team playing, like I don't really care. I'm on team. Just let it happen. Let the chips fall where they may. These games, you're going to learn a lot about this team, and this team is going to gain a lot of experience. And it's all you can really ask for. Takeaway number two, defense. When you just look at the overall stats of this game, like the team stats, um, the Pelicans only shoot four percentage points worse than the Thunder from the field. They actually take one more field goal attempt. Uh, the Pelicans shoot better from three, uh, 35% compared to 32%. They shoot a lot less free throws. Um, they out-rebound the Thunder. Um, they out-assist the Thunder. Here's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this defense. So, The Thunder on turnovers forced 22 turnovers tonight. Thunder were plus 10 in turnovers. Points off turnovers, 23 to 8. Fast break points, 18 to 10. Thunder only fouls 17 times in comparison to Portland's 25 times. When you look at the first half, I don't have just the first half stats pulled up, but when you look at just the first half, this team was suffocating. They gave up only 44 first half points. And I mentioned it earlier, CJ McCollum scored six points in like the final 60 seconds of the half. If he doesn't, then you're looking at a 38-point half from the Pelicans. The Thunder employed different styles of defense. They played drop coverage in the pick and roll. They played switch everything coverage. Um, they did a little bit of everything. And I thought they were fabulous. This is one of those defensive games, defending without fouling. When you give up only 19 free throws in the game, and you got 32 free throws in the game, that's pretty massive. That is pretty massive. The Thunder uh, outscored the Pelicans by 11 at the free throw line. That's basically your difference in the game right there. Hold the Pelicans to 42% shooting. Pelicans do get up to 35% from the three-point line. Uh, 
Um, so, I mean, that's they hit a lot more threes in the second half. That's still good. Um, CJ McCollum, pretty inefficient night, eight of twenty. He did have twenty six points. But you especially look at the, the the bench, like Josh Richardson, who was a huge factor in the last game, two of ten. Uh, Dyson Daniels, two of seven. Trey Murphy the third, only two of seven from three, five of twelve from the floor. Uh, we mentioned Jonas Valanciunas, four of six, but not really many opportunities. Um, Herb Jones only takes three field goal attempts the entire night. Like, you live with that stuff. I thought the Thunder defense, you really started to see kind of what they're trying to build tonight um, with that length, with that versatility. Playing Usman at the five, um, it'll only get better whenever Chet joins. Um, impressive stuff. Takeaway three. Too much ISO. Talked about this in my game breakdown. Just going to touch on it real quick here because I want to get to point four. ISO in the fourth quarter was too much. And it really bogged down the offense. Mark Dagnall called a timeout in the middle of it to try to fix the problem. It's this interesting conundrum, right? Shea is an awesome, awesome ISO player. J-Dub is a really good ISO player. You get in the fourth quarter, defenses tighten up. It's just time to go get a bucket. It's harder to, to get some of those easier passes and pick and rolls and whatnot because the defense is more dialed in. You're trying to burn clock. Like, I get all of those things. The Thunder are trying to instill a culture and, and build a team of guys that can all play make, who can all handle the ball, who can all shoot. The only way that style of offense plays off is if you utilize it. And I thought the Thunder utilized it beautifully in the first three quarters and really got away from it in the fourth. I'm sure that's something they're going to watch on tape. That's something they're going to talk about. It's a growing moment. But I felt like the ISO offense really hurt them in the fourth quarter tonight. Got the game a little too close for comfort. Something you learn from. This is a young team. All right, takeaway number four, the positive one. The big three. The big three. So I tweeted this tonight um, after the game. I'm going to bring it back up again here now. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, J-Dub, Jalen Williams, and Josh Giddy tonight. Of the Thunder's 110, they scored 71. They shot 26 of 45 from the field. The three of them combined to take one three-point attempt. That was Josh Giddy in the fourth. He made it. They had 17 rebounds, eight assists, and seven steals. That's a big three, folks. That is a big three. Now, Shea's efficiency wasn't anywhere near what it should have been because at the end of the first half, Shea was, I think, 7 of 10 for 20 points. He ends the night 11 of 23 for 35 points. Uh, the efficiency went down the toilet. Part of that is from that ISO. I thought Josh Giddy, he had, uh, I believe, nine points in the fourth quarter uh, to end up with 19, 7, and 4. I thought Josh was fabulous in the fourth quarter. In the third quarter, he got his shot blocked twice in a row. And I think after that, he went to the rim much uh, with much more aggression, much stronger, finished high off the glass. The so shot blockers couldn't get to it. And then J-Dub in his 37 minutes, 7 of 10 from the floor, 
three of three from the free throw line, four rebounds, two assists, three steals, a plus 16, 17 points. You are starting to see the birth of what Thunder basketball will probably look like for the next seven to 10 years. And you still have a lot of pieces you haven't added. Chet specifically, your draft pick coming up this summer. Those three were phenomenal tonight. And you can start to really see them putting stuff together. There was a play tonight, I think it was in the second quarter, where J-Dub had the ball in the left wing, uh, beat his man off the dribble, drove to the basket. Josh Giddy was on the right wing. And as soon as J-Dub started his drive, Giddy cut on the back side of it. And J-Dub has his man beat. Everyone's looking at him because he's such a good finisher at the rim. And he just drops off a little flip pass behind his back. Josh catches it and gets like an uncontested layup right at the rim. You can see the pieces starting to fit. You can see the chemistry beginning to build. Those three guys are really, really stupid good. Specifically, Shea and J-Dub. I think Josh is going to be really good, too. you got to remember, Josh is only 20, right? He's younger than J-Dub. Man. This is one of those nights you you got all your guys back and they just looked awesome. And I think about that for these last, what is it? 17 games, 16 games, something like that. I think about them down the stretch here in this final month of the season. The chemistry is building. The confidence is building. They're really starting to learn how to play off of one another. They may make a run to the plan and they may make it out of the plan. They also may get a lottery pick. Who knows? But you have to be so encouraged by what you're seeing out of these three guys. There's going to be a lot of roster turnover with this team moving forward. They got a ton of draft picks. They're inevitably like guys on this team inevitably are going to get traded or waived or cut or whatever. I think four guys on this team right now, uh, are as close to untouchable as you can get. One of them hasn't played in Chet. The other three are the big three from tonight. I think those will continue to be your big three moving forward. All respect to the other guys. They're currently like role players. Those three have been phenomenal. Uh, And Thunder fans should be incredibly excited about them. Let's hit the comments real quick. Uh, we got Brian uh, saying good day from Australia. That's awesome. Uh, David, Chet is, gonna, is going to supercharge this team. He gives us buffs to Giddy, Dub, Shea, plus great rim protection, plus another three-point shooter. David, you're spot on, my guy. I mean, Chet's going to revolutionize the way this team plays. Uh, Eamon says, I'm not a fan of our guys getting beat up, especially not on the first game of a back-to-back. I did start to get more physical in the second half of this game. Uh, Jonathan, with an interesting question that I'm not going to answer on the podcast. Marcus asked, does SGA play tomorrow? Um, I think probably not, Marcus. Uh, They said they're going to sit him on back-to-back, so I would assume he doesn't play tomorrow. You should be able to beat the San Antonio Spurs without Shea. Uh, Spurs, interesting team. Lose by 30 to Houston, turn around and beat Denver. Who knows what you're going to get? Um, 
Andrew says, SGA joined Elite Company tonight. It's great to see all the ways he can impact games in addition to scoring. His impact on the development of everyone else cannot be understated. I love it. And especially the defensive side of the ball, you really start to get encouraged. When he's bought in defensively, his strength, his length, his wingspan really makes a difference. And I think this team is going to hang their hat on defense moving forward. Uh, that's not to say the offense isn't going to be good. I think the offense is going to be freaking awesome. That just tells you how good I think the defense is going to be. Um, What else do we have in here? Eamon asks, are we considering the Blazers in the playoff hunt? I mean, they're not far out, so technically, but I think they're cooked. They are cooked. Um, Anything else? Uh, David says, Lou should be able to give us 15 points per game in good D plus improved efficiency next year. Lou is young. He's got a chance to grow. He's also like the biggest contract outside of the biggest tradable contract. We'll call it that. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. It's not that I don't like Lou. I'm like the originator of the Lou Tang clan, right? I love Lou. If you told me 12 months from now on March 11th, 2024, Lou Dort isn't playing on this team. Like I wouldn't be totally shocked at all. Right? Like there's inevitably going to be turnover on this roster. We'll just see. My guy, Andrew, with the comment of the night, he says, hope you got your tickets for Return of the King. I'm so excited. Folks, if you do not know, from my ankle all the way up to my upper thigh is one massive Lord of the Rings tattoo. I am a Lord of the Rings guy. And this is the 20th anniversary. How the hell are we this old? The 20th anniversary of the end of the trilogy with the return of the king. And they are showing it in theaters, in the IMAX, extended edition. Four hours and like 15 minutes of movie. If you don't think my ass is going to be sitting in that IMAX with a bucket of Pepsi Zero and a trash bag full of popcorn with my feet popped up watching Return of the King, you are gravely mistaken, my friends. It comes out in the end of April as well. So the Thunder are probably out of the playoffs by then if they make it in the first place. So I think I'll be safe. Andrew, I'm stoked. I am stoked. All right, with that, let's get out of here because I got to do another podcast in 24 hours. Actually, it's daylight savings, folks. 23 hours. Don't forget to set your clocks forward. You guys have a great evening. Have a great Sunday. We will be back tomorrow, 9 p.m. Central Time, live on YouTube. Please go to any of our social media channels. Drop your questions so we can have them for the mailbag pod tomorrow. Hopefully, we're talking about another Thunder win down in San Antonio as well. We will see you guys then. Have a great Sunday. Stay safe. Join us again tomorrow. Until then... And as always, Thunder Up! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.